The healthcare industry has undergone transformational change in the past 10 years, especially as it relates to the implementation of technology. Even so, there's much more to do and many companies are out there doing it, but you don't know about them. At Intrepid Healthcare, our podcast will bring you the crazy ones, the rebels, the troublemakers, the ones who see things differently. The people that are crazy enough to think they can change the world in healthcare. So sit tight and enjoy as we tell the story of another thought leading trailblazer. Welcome back to Intrepid Healthcare. I'm your host, Joe Lavelle, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with another trailblazing innovator. We're going to get right to it today. We're joined by Grant Elliott, CEO of Estendio. Grant, welcome to the show. Hi, Joe. Welcome to be here. Thanks so much, Grant, for making the time to be with us today. Before we get into our discussion, could you take a few seconds and tell the audience about you and your background? Absolutely, yes. So uh, I've been president and CEO for about five years, and we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that. Prior to that, I used to be the chief operations officer and chief information security officer of a digital health company for close to eight years. And prior to that, I was an executive at AT&T running various different product and operational roles. Obviously, you can tell from my accent, I'm originally from Scotland, although I've lived in the U.S. for close to 20 years, and really become a very passionate advocate for kind of cybersecurity compliance within various different industries, obviously including healthcare, which is where we've got a lot of experience. Perfect. And Grant, tell us how Estendio serves your customers. Sure. So as I mentioned previously, while I was the chief operations officer and chief information security officer of a digital health company, we spent a huge amount of time trying to build up the robustness of our security program. My experience, it was reasonably straightforward to figure out the pathway to building uh, an alignment to various different standards and regulations, but the ability to operationalize those activities, you know, it's one thing to sort of set a, 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 a chart, a path to uh, understanding how you align with, you know, whether it be HIPAA from a healthcare perspective or NIST 800-171 or any other kind of standard or framework. But what that really relates to is then you have hundreds if not thousands of tasks you have to perform on an ongoing basis. So it kind of struck me strange that there weren't any good tools out there that simplified the process of operationalizing all the activities you need to perform. In my previous organization, we tried to solve those problems through a combination of using our ticket management solutions, using our intranet, um, obviously email, Google Drive, but it was always basically just trying to cobble things together. And the transparency and visibility we had across the organization had to be pulled together separately as well. It kind of struck me at that time that there wasn't a better solution in the marketplace at an affordable cost. And at that time, obviously, people were moving to things like Salesforce, cloud-based solutions. So the idea of creating a cloud-based almost Salesforce for security is kind of the idea that germinated. And when I started to talk to other people within the industry about how they were trying to solve this problem, they, they were encountering the same challenges I had. So that's really kind of how Ostendio came about and how we built our platform, MyVCM, which ostensibly does exactly that. It literally is an operational platform that allows any organization looking to operate any security or, or compliance program in a way that actually saves them time and money. Great. Thank you for that. Grant, how big is the cybersecurity problem in healthcare? How many records have been breached this year, maybe, and then... What's the real impact of those breaches? Are people acting on 
those records that they're stealing? Look, I think it's, it's a clear issue within the market right now. I mean, I think it's something like 26 million records breached in 2017. And that in itself, though, doesn't really tell the story. I mean, the number of records per se are kind of one indicator. I mean, that's reported and recorded breaches. You, you actually look at some of the largest breaches that are, are occurring in history today that are becoming progressively bigger. And I think the challenge today is that, you know, it's really hard, uh, or much, certainly much harder today, to understand where data actually resides. I mean, if you go back maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, the concept of data was effectively information stored within a perimeter environment. You know, uh, organizations, whether it be healthy organizations or other organizations, were typically storing it within or on-prem, and they, they, they would use a kind of a, a castle and moat type approach to protecting that data. But today, so much more data is in the cloud. If you look at any type of organization, they're not necessarily storing directly all the data they're using. In the, the healthcare scene, you know, there's offshore translation services, there's obviously third-party uh, EMRs, there's various different components to the, the whole medical delivery process, and many of those are actually not actually stored directly by the healthcare uh, organization themselves. So with the fact that this data is not just everywhere, but duplicated in multiple places, it becomes significantly harder for uh, any organization, not just to, to, to protect their information, but even to know where their information actually is. And then that poses a challenge for how do you then protect that information, um, you know, through you know the information maybe you directly manage, but also more specifically through the information that your vendors are managing for you. Grant, the big headline a couple of years ago was ransomware, and I personally am not seeing headlines every week like we used to about ransomware. What is the current state of ransomware in healthcare? Well, the, the reality is actually ransomware is becoming way more sophisticated and is actually happening at more alarming rates than it ever has. The, the, you know, the media tends to fixate on the new threat for a period of time and, you know, stories of ransomware have kind of become old hat now, but they are still happening at record levels. And really, the, 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 the big challenge with ransomware just now is that, you know, the, the kind of profile dynamics of these types of breaches are fundamentally changing. Again, this is part of the, the change in this threat posture today that we see. 10, 15 years ago, companies would be attacked because, again, they, they maybe had valuable data. Uh, today, what we're seeing is that exploits are occurring because cyber criminals are simply just searching the web for vulnerabilities, you know, software that hasn't been patched, OS, OSs that are running previous or old out-of-date version, versions. We saw that uh, with the Petia uh, ransomware attack a, a, a couple of years ago. And so what that basically means is that the subject of these attacks aren't necessarily who you might think, uh, you know, who necessarily has the valuable data. The subject of these attacks uh, can simply just be anyone that's uh, advertising some sort of vulnerability on the Internet. And that means that, you know, it can be small healthcare practices, it can be large hospitals. Fundamentally, uh, it's about what you're advertising, not who, who you are. And if you look at the recent Equifax breach that happened, they weren't necessarily targeted as part of that breach. They were kind of stumbled upon by some cyber criminals simply just because they found a vulnerability on the Internet and then they were able to basically mine that vulnerability into something much larger. So you're really seeing that happening a lot and a lot more within you know the healthcare specifically as well but you, you're probably just not seeing the stories to the same degree because again they don't unfortunately make the news like they used to we've reported on our show before that healthcare records are worth more out there in cyber crimeville than other records is that still the case are healthcare entities a high value target because the data is more valuable 
Generally speaking, I mean, the, the challenge with, uh, I mean, if you think about it, you know, most people will automatically assume that financial data would be more valuable. But if you um, or someone is able to basically get your credit card information, um, clearly you have a limit on your credit card, so that expo- you know, minimizes the risk to some degree. Uh, you can report it and they can stop and issue a new, a new credit card to you with a different number. And so there's significant processes. And, and actually, we have this global network where all the different financial institutions coordinate with each other to help report and there's also sort of like theft and fraud detection capabilities built into that process. And what that basically means is if you have 10,000 credit cards on the black market, then the value of those is somewhat limited by how much you can mine from them in a short period of time. But if you take the uh, health record information for an individual, because of the way that the uh, healthcare system is set up, you can lay a false identity using that information potentially for years. You can cl- make false claims on that identity uh, where you can actually get services for you know, thousands, tens of thousands, potentially even hundreds of thousands of dollars. So really what makes healthcare information more valuable than financial information is the fact that, again, it's more permeable, it lasts longer, uh, there's potentially more value that can be gained from it in terms of the services provided. So fundamentally, that's kind of what makes healthcare data far more valuable than even financial data, for example. You mentioned something that makes a lot of sense. It's really what we hear is because what the press wants to tell us, and we're still hearing a lot about breaches. We don't hear that much about ransomware, at least the last six months. What is the real impact of the breaches in healthcare? Have you gone that far to figure out, yeah, all these records, I think I read in the first quarter of this year, 1.3 million records were breached. But do we really know what the criminals are doing with those records? Do we have some kind of analysis of this is what happened to this patient because his record was breached? Well, we certainly see these stories anecdotally. We hear stories of people's medical records being updated or changed where people have taken fraudulent services. You know, one of the, the, the challenges that you have with that situation is not just the financial impact, but, you know, if you can imagine if you've got a particular medical condition or a medical requirement, uh, say, for example, your blood type O and, and you're in, in the middle of an emergency procedure, and somehow within your medical record um, that's been changed to a, another blood type, another blood group, uh, because someone had claimed some sort of false uh, service and had your medical record updated, it can have direct impacts on the, 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 the services that are actually being provided to you as well. And we do hear stories where that basically happens. A lot of this, you know, though, you know, sits in the, in the ether. I mean, there's lots of breaches that have recently where there's no evidence yet that that information is actually being used yet. And so sometimes cyber criminals will sit on this data for a period of time to let the, the, the dust die down. And then at some point later, use it in various different services or ways. And, you know, selling it on to people that obviously are going to use it in a different way of people that are using for false identities as well. So, you know, it's a combination of we, we see some direct impact straight away where we can actually see that information being used, but we can also see that some people are sitting on it for a period of time as well. So, Grant, what should healthcare entities be doing to combat cybercrime? Well, I think they have to stop being sort of, I think in many organizations, they can, the way that the focus is, they focus just on the breach itself, when really what we have to do is focus on a much more integrated risk-based approach. Part of the challenge that I think organizations have is that if even today, if you look at the amount of money that healthcare organizations are actually spending on uh, cyber defense and the areas they're spending it, um, it's still way lower than, than the typical industry averages. I mean, I think healthcare has a unique uh, challenge in the sense that 
they don't have the opportunity to switch off someone's health record, right? You know, we talked earlier on in the financial industry, they can simply just switch that record off and, and try and move to, to other ones. You know, in healthcare, typically the information is being used. Often it can be used in a situation where it is pressing to share that information. We have an ecosystem where in order for the best health care to be provided, you have to basically make sure that information is accessible and available to lots of different people that provide various different services. So it does become more challenging. But what I'd like to see healthcare do is focus much more on a more holistic approach. Today, still, as I said, the budgets that are giving out to security or, or cyber security are, 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 are too small. Very often, if you talk to a healthcare organisation and you ask them where they are from a prioritisation perspective on cyber security, often it's not even in the top five, sometimes not even the top ten. Um, they typically will give responsibility to, they'll have a compliance department which sits within their legal team, which may or may not have influence over the organisation, but they also have uh, an IT organisation who then have a tendency to spend lots of money on IT type solutions rather than, again, a, a, a comprehensive a risk approach. And that's the kind of large organisations, the big providers. You then start going down to the grassroots level and you look at local clinics and local providers. There's literally very little, if any, motivation for those organisations to actually operate a secure and compliant environment. Um, HIPAA obviously is the kind of regulation that lots of people talk about, but there's a, a distinct lack of enforcement from a HIPAA perspective. So right now, if you think about it, how many of us would actually, if we heard our local doctor's office or our local hospital had some sort of security breach, how many of us would have actually changed our behaviour, go to another hospital or go to another provider? Most of us don't. We, we go because we, it's convenient, because we think that's where the best level of care is. And we hear all this noise about you know, anthem breaches and various you know, Blue Cross Blue Shield breaches. But we don't have a lot of choice over buying, you know, a lot of the time, you know, from our, our health insurance is provided by our employers, so we don't get to choose that. So the motivation aspect for a lot of these big healthcare organisations, in particular the smaller healthcare organisations, needs to be increased and there needs to be more focus put on them to try and behave in a responsible manner. And look, it's definitely changing and you can definitely see with frameworks like HITRUST coming in, most of the major payers in the last couple of years have said that most of their vendors have to be HITRUST certified over a period of time. You've seen an increased move with a lot of the provider organisations forcing their vendors to go through things like SOC 2 uh, to make sure that, again, they're audited through some sort of internal standards. So we are starting to see change, but it's very, very slow, and I think there's a lot more that we could be doing that we're not already. Great. Thank you for that. I've observed that I think it's particularly hard, the smaller provider is, one, to spend the time and energy it takes to come up with a cybersecurity infrastructure, maybe, is the best word. And it really concerns me for those small providers because not that they have the exact same requirements as a large provider, but they do have to protect our data just as well. What's your thoughts about the smaller providers? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I, in some respects, I have sympathy because I understand that the business model and the economics of those organizations can be challenging. But by the same token, I mean, look, there's services like ours that try and make this simpler and easier to do, right? There's no excuse for any organization not to have effective documentation, right? There's no excuse for any organization not to implement a governance model. There's, today, there's no excuse for any organization not to be training their staff on a regular and routine basis, making sure that they've got appropriate job descriptions and understand where data is. You know, who has access to that data. You know, solutions like ours make that simpler than it's ever been before. And whilst that's not going to completely eradicate the likelihood of a breach, but it's going to put you in a better position to, you know, again, 
resist something happening, identify when it does, and then respond when it does. So in some respects, I have sympathy with those organizations because I understand their business model and I understand this is not something that's within their sort of core area of expertise. But increasingly, there are services like ours that can make it much easier. So I start to lose a little bit of sympathy when we talk to them and we say, look, we could implement something really effective, really cost-effectively for you, a very simple and basic program, and you still get resistance on that. So that there kind of has to be a kind of greater incentive for even the smaller organizations to, again, if, if they're not going to run a marathon, at least run a 5K and get them to focus on that. Because I speak to some organizations today and, and they're, they're literally doing very, very little, if anything at all. And there's no repercussions at the moment for them not doing that. Unless they have a significant or major breach that somehow gets reported, there really is very little repercussions for smaller providers uh, or smaller uh, medical organizations today for not running an effective program. Great. And you've teed up my next question, which relates to all providers, not just the small ones. How is Estendio helping healthcare entities prevent and or recover from cybercrime? Well, as I mentioned earlier on, I think the key aspect, and I think a lot of organizations struggle with this, is to understand what data you have. Right. I mean, the, the whole concept of data security is about protecting the data you have within your organization. And as I mentioned, data has a life cycle, and it basically transcends the organization. It's no longer in one place. So what we, again, fundamentally do is we help organizations understand what data they have. So we allow them to classify it, track it, manage it. We understand, help them understand where that data is. Again, we track and manage all their assets and their asset inventory and what type of data is stored where. We allow them to uh, track and manage who has access to that data. So again, you know, we're managing the onboarding and offboarding of employees uh, and tracking you know, what they're authorized to be given access to, what type of data they're given access to. And then we help them build out the program for how they're actually going to protect that data as well. So again, are they encrypting their data uh, when, it's, when it's sensitive data? Are they providing backup information? Are they making sure that all their software systems are patched and, and there's no vulnerabilities from that perspective? Are they actively training their staff and their contractors to make sure that they're doing what they should be doing with the data as well? And then finally, we help them report out on uh, whether they're operating against an effective framework. So if they have gone through something like, or they're going through something like high trust or a SOC 2, we can basically help them map their behavior to over 100 standards and regulations. So the idea really is that, again, helping organizations do this in a symptomatic way, but more importantly, and this is kind of the, the key driver from an incendial perspective, helping them do that across their entire organization so that every single person within the organization that is involved in contributing to the cyber defense of the organization. And again, making sure we do that in a way that's not an overlay, right? Too many systems today simply just become reporting engines and you end up having to have people that's just pulling information from different systems. We actually operationalize that effective in that program. And I think that's going back to my point of the smaller organizations particularly, because we can do this with a positive ROI, because we can do this in a way that improves the overall efficiency of the organization, where we can demonstrate that we actually save the organization time, money, and cost. We can displace the need for them to hire two or three additional people because, again, we automate many of these tasks. We can actually help them become more secure, more compliant at a lower cost. And so, again, providing that whether you're a large organization who already has to do this and may already be investing a lot of time and money, we can provide efficiencies and help them do that more efficiently and more effectively. Or if you're a smaller organization who's not doing enough at the moment, we can help them do more again, without having to break the bank. Grant, I want to connect a few dots here before we wrap up. 
you don't just help organizations. You mentioned early on a Salesforce type model. I was fortunate enough to get a demo of your solution last week. And you have this solution that you get into and you're embedded in the security process of your customers. You create the documentation. You have evidence of how compliant one of your clients or customers is on any particular aspect of cybersecurity at any point in time. They know where their vulnerabilities are and what they need to work on at any point in time. If they get audited, they don't have to spend a month to get ready for the audit. They are already ready. Take it from there. Expand a little bit beyond what I could comprehend in a 30-minute demo. Look, from our perspective, one of the challenges with security and what makes security across an organization so difficult is that it transcends departments, right? You know, everything from the moment an employee is onboarded to an organization, you have to conduct things like background checks, you have to make sure they're they're given a job description, you you have to train them, you have to give them access to the different types of systems and, and, and facilities that they need in order to do their job, through to operating your, you know, your, your, your internal environments, your production environments, your software development environments, you know, again, all these different environments. So you're, you're involved in every aspect of the business, you know, contracting for your vendors, you know, making sure that those vendor agreements are, are in place and that your vendors are going to be secure. And that makes it difficult because... There's a tendency for people to think of um, cybersecurity simply an IT function and go to the IT person within the organization. And, you know, IT security is definitely a subset of cybersecurity, but it's only a subset. There's kind of uh, lots more to it than that. So when we've built our system, we work directly with various different departments. We work with the HR department. We work with the legal department, the compliance department, IT department. We work with the chief operations officer. Uh, every single department and organization has a contribution and a role to play. And that goes across the entire organization as well because we fundamentally believe that it's the people within the organization that all have a role and all have a responsibility to uh, contribute to the cyber uh, hygiene of the organization. So we actually roll everyone in, within the organization into the platform we score everyone with the platform. We give every single individual their own personal score, and we benchmark them against the rest of the organization. So if you're, again, an employee and a company that uses their platform, you not only know what your score is, but you know how you're performing against your peers. You know if you're above average or below average in terms of your contribution to the cyber program. And we believe that that makes them more invested to the process, and, again, it allows them to basically buy into it as well. And actually making security part of the primary process rather than an overly process, it means that people are more likely to do what they need to do because it's part of their core responsibility, it's part of their day job, rather than an additional thing that gets in the way of their day job. So that's why we've kind of built those workflows through the platform to make sure that any organization that's using our platform not only has complete transparency and visibility into everyone within the organization, but it really is complementary to every aspect of what they do, regardless of the department that they work in. We like to say that, you know, we really have visibility on a day-by-day basis of the DNA of the security of the organization organization and we can track it on a day-by-day basis so again if you're mapping the entire framework to again SOC 2, High Trust, NIST 800, 171 or whatever framework you're measuring again including even GDPR which is obviously timely right now we can show you on a day-by-day basis how well you're complying to that particular standard of framework across the entire organization and a way that allows management to make appropriate decisions in terms of where they should be making investments or where they should be pulling back. 
Great. Before we wrap it today, I want to encourage everybody to go out to www.ostendio.com. Bookmark that site. Keep up with the great things that the folks at Estendio are doing to help fight the rise in cybercrime and healthcare. Grant, it was so great to have you on the show. Thanks for stopping by and sharing your great wisdom with us today. It was my pleasure, Joe. Great. With that, we'll wrap our broadcast. On behalf of our guest, Grant Elliott, I'm Joe Lavelle, and we'll see you soon on Intrepid Healthcare.